Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars, Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lead to Soar. My name is Mel Butcher. I am your producer and occasional show co-host. I work very closely with Michelle Redfern to produce and create this podcast, this free resource for you to get career advice and guidance from some of the most amazing leaders around the world. And that's what brings us together today. We have Alicia Scott joining us. And let me tell you a little bit about Alicia. So she currently works as the Senior Director of People, Culture, and DEI at One Semi. But she is so much, she just has so many talents. Her original degree was in microelectronic engineering. So This person has been in a very male-dominated space throughout their entire career. So working in uh, the semiconductor space for 25 years, and she's got an MBA, and she's worked her way up the ranks and made it to this role now where she supports the culture at One Semi. So she's just an incredibly impressive person, and she's going to share some of her experiences and her philosophies around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also her experience being a woman of color in this space. So join me in welcoming Alicia Scott. And dear listener, please forgive us. We did have some technical issues on this episode with the sound, and I've done my best to try to correct for those, but Uh, It is a little tricky on this one. I think the contents is important enough, though, to stick with it. So hope you enjoy this interview with Alicia Scott. I'd like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land from wherever Mm -hmm. we gather today and wherever we gather is right across the globe. For me, the traditional custodians of the land or the country that I'm on today are the Boongwurrung and Wurundjeri people of the East Kulin Nation, the First Nations people of Australia. Mm -hmm. And those people have looked after our land and our sea and our waterways, our flora and our fauna for over 65,000 years. And one of the things that makes me to be very proud to be Australian is that those people share their country with me, the oldest living culture um, in, in the universe. So um, so I pay my respects to their elders past and present and I pay my respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining today. And I welcome 
women and other people from other cultures that join us today as well. So Alicia Scott, welcome to A Career That Soars Again Properly. Now, what we're going to do today is talk all about you. So what better way to start than, than kicking off with a discussion about you, Alicia? And so let's let's say we're back in the days or we, we, we fast forward, we're in those days where we, we turn up to a conference or an event and mm. someone says, hi, my name's Michelle Redfern. Well, who are you and what do you do? What do you say? Oh, well, for me, um, currently, my uh, title is Senior Director of People, Culture, and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, DEI. I am responsible for a lot of corporate initiatives that really impact the employee experience from recruitment, retention, to advancement, those corporate initiatives for a global company that generates $5 billion plus in revenue. Uh, for over 34,000 employees uh, worldwide. So that's what I do today. And just um, have had a, a, a very uh, interesting career journey that I'm looking forward to sharing today. Now, first bit, which is something that I ask, I'd love to think, um, try and ponder how many times between Susan and I, we've asked women individually and collectively this question, but what is the best career advice you've ever received mm -hmm. and why was it the best? Yes, yeah, so, so I've answered this question several times in the past and I really land on um, one experience that I've had and it was with a past board member for the company I work for on semiconductor, Dr. Curtis Crawford. He came to actually give a speech at the company and something just very simple but pretty revolutionary, at least for me. <laughs> and he just said, learn the organization. And what that meant to me is understand why people are in the roles that they have and understand what they're delivering for the company. Um, you know, what is the role of the CEO? What is the role of the head of finance, the role of all of the different business units? You get to understand those roles and not just sit in your place to understand what you're delivering day in and day out, because actually understanding those roles can give a better perspective of what you need to do day in, day, out, day in and day out and how it connects to the overall objectives of what the company is delivering. So, um, so very simple, just learn the organization. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Dr. Dr. Curtis Crawford would, be, uh, would do well in a career that soars, but uh, because that is really terrific advice, being able to work out mm -hmm. not only what your role is in taking the business to where it says is important, but working out who does what and how. So really figuring out that, I guess, you know, the lay of the land. How did it play out for you, though, in a practical sense when you reflect on that career advice and how it shaped your approach to your own work or, mm -hmm. or the activities? How did you put it into practice in reality? Yeah, I put it into practice probably most relevant when it comes to strategic planning and, and outlining uh, and my, I'll reflect on my role right now, corporate, the corporate initiatives and the corporate functions in which I need, you know, that collaboration and work with all of the different um, functional areas to, to make a go for diversity, equity and inclusion. So really uh, outlining uh, my deliverable to the strategy of the company and just saying, hey, how does what's finances piece in this you know they control the budget <laughs> they control you know uh actually it for our organization so if there's system and tools that we need that's you know the connection there you know the business units have you know our touch on what we're doing with the customer base and things of that nature so in understanding what the deliverables are with certain projects or customer focused items they're delivering you know some of our affinity network groups can have some initiatives to really uh, tie out some of the business deliverables and the things that we're looking at from a recruitment standpoint or help helping us hire and promote in our, our talent to uh, help deliver in those areas in which the businesses need to del deliver ultimately to our customer base. So things uh, along those lines and really understanding who the decision makers are and the key players all throughout the organization and tying my strategy out to, to their areas 
for, for that collaboration. Mm. So if I think about our leadership definition, which is leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary yeah. outcomes by engaging the greatness in others, you have very much been focused on, yes, achieving and sustaining extraordinary outcomes, but knowing and engaging and aligning those others in in the mission that that you're you're there to to achieve so there's some there's a first bit of advice um, for our listeners and and watchers um, in a career that soars that know your business know the organization know who's who in the zoo and why uh, so that's um, yeah. good advice if you were thinking about one of those leaders or any leader can you think about an extraordinary leader uh, that you've reported to and I guess why that person or you know what made them extraordinary and how it impacted you? Yes and um, so the, the the definition for sure since I took the, the training and, and went through the understanding of you know the leadership definition since 2017 I really sat back and reflected on you know the phases of my career the things that have impacted me in terms of this the leadership definition, and um, I have had plenty of great male leaders and bosses uh, throughout my career. And my current manager, Tobin Cookman, is a great sponsor for me. But for this, I really reflected on the female leaders or bosses that I've had at the company, and I've really been able to piece quite a bit to the definition to what they showed me because I was able to see myself in them. You know, it's rare being in a technical, you know, technology company in a technical field, being able to really uh, have opportunity, have a female manager to really impact you all, all throughout. Um, but earlier in my early in my career, I was a device engineer working for my, um, probably my very first boss, Gina Shoemate. And from her, I learned problem uh, solving and troubleshooting issues in the fab, um, helping manage through issues to keep a customer from going lying down or, you know, uh, getting through any technical issues to making sure we're meeting those customer uh, expectations and deadlines. Uh, so with her, uh, Gina, I learned, you know, using the greatness in, in you. Later down the road, uh, further on in my career, I worked for a manager, Iris Takamatsu, uh, who's a product engineering manager in the organization. And I saw that she was really well respected in the, in the company, um, you know, very technically sound. And, you know, um, you, you know, she was just a great leader. And I just yearned to really learn from her and work for her. So when a product engineering position became open in her group, I jumped at it and <laughs> just wanted to make sure I got the opportunity to work in her organization and learn from her. And I actually learned quite a bit. I was able to, um, learn how to lead projects and programs, even people. I think that was clear from her what my, the biggest uh, item of what, which I learned from her. So from her and, you know, engaging the greatness in others. And then later down the road, it's actually when I took my transition into HR, a past manager of mine, Jerry Mangura, she, uh, I worked with her in diversity and inclusion space when I was doing it part-time in the business unit. And she, uh, you know, approached me about uh, moving over to uh, HR um, with limited, ex obviously no experience in HR, but uh, a lot of passion around diversity and inclusion. Um, but she was a truly, truly a visionary and helped me understand how to tie strategy to, you know, corporate initiatives and things I was mentioning earlier. So with her, it was really that, you know, the achieving and sustaining extraordinary outcomes. So. Um, yeah, I really reflected on, you know, the, the female leaders in, in my career um, when it comes to that because, again, I see yeah, me. I, I think the, the piece that really leapt out at me then, Alicia, was when the, your second, uh, your second well, number one, you've, you've highlighted uh, women leaders in your field, which we're going to talk about shortly. They still aren't easy to find. Uh, well, not, not as prevalent as, as men, but um, you put your hand up to go and work for her because you wanted to learn from her by working for her um, and serving. And I think that's a, mm -hmm. how one of the things that I really want to encourage aspiring and emerging, well, all, all women leaders, all women who are ambitious and, and, and want to reach you know, their full potential is we have to step forward, right? So you've, you've got a sponsor, you've got a great sponsor, your current boss, but 
and sponsors are those people who are advocating for you, but it's a two-way street, right? So there have been times clearly as in that that career mm-hmm. move that you made, you said, I've got to put my hand up for this project because I can see this leader that I want to learn from and these um, specific skills. So putting your hand up and stepping forward, that that's what that, yeah, women, those women leaders are fantastic and I love the fact that you've tied um, everything to, to the leadership definition, but putting your hand up and stepping forward, was that difficult for you at that time or any other time it's not easy <laughs> it's not easy but I um yeah. I've had to over over the time and I learned that early on if I was going to be successful with anything um because no one's coming to me to just hey you know Alicia come along and just play with us <laughs> uh typically in this space um you know I'm the only you know maybe black only female so being black and female, you know, typically I do have to be a little bit more proactive. I do have to insert myself. I do have to, um, you know, raise my hands and, and say, consider me. Uh, it's just a, just the nature of, of um, what I've had to deal with. Hopefully some of the things that I'm doing right now don't require so much pushing for those behind me, but I'm kind of used to it now at this point in time, but I think it's just because of my my environment and, and how I've been growing up in my career this past 20 years. It's just kind of yeah. second nature a little bit now, although it's never comfortable, <laughs> but yeah, it's part of the job. I, I, I want to reflect on that too because it is part of the job and I'm probably going to be a little more um, less gracious and, and um, gentle than you, but, you know, I... <laughs> As a hiring manager and, and an executive, I, I said this to someone, a group of people last week, group of women last week. I said, look, I just didn't wake up every day wondering what Alicia was doing or what Susan was doing and thinking, how can I help? Now, I'd love to think that I can't say that I did that, but mm-hmm. for the people who, you know, yes, I was focused yeah. on bringing, particularly bringing women forward, but as a hiring manager or someone who's looking for talent, executives are, are They've got a lot on their mind. So it's helpful when women mm-hmm. with aspirations and ambition can put their hand up and say, hey, I'm here. Can I have a discussion with you? I'd like to, because then it can help join the dots. And it's, you know, a lot of the time I think I was very, very fortunate because I was pushing on open doors a lot of the time, particularly in the mid part of my career. But for you, mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, you've just said it's part of the job. You get used to it. You don't have to, you still find it awkward at times, but you, you just have to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. You just have to do it. And I, I think another part of, um, I guess, another piece of advice I've, I've gotten in my career is that sometimes when you see a gap area or an area of opportunity that's not getting addressed, a problem area, Try to provide a solution and you'll get noticed for, for raising that. I've seen that too in, in the, uh, a couple of areas in, in over my career, especially when I was a program manager uh, focused on new product development uh, and business operations role and also currently now in HR heading uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. So part of that raising your hand is also you know providing some solutions to some some issue areas that you see out there and um, that that helps in your development and take you, uh, you and, know, so and, much further. And um, with the executive a, team. a little birdie that you and I both know, Susan has just, uh, she's just sent me a message or sent a message saying, how do you deal, and it's a, it's a good reminder, how do you deal with that discomfort of putting yourself forward? Because there's a, you know, there's this whole internal dialogue going on and feelings and, you know, that kind of, ah. Oh, what are your strategies? Yeah. Talk yep. to others. <laughs> talk to others, uh, like Susan, yep. <laughs> a mentor. I uh, talk to my husband, uh, who's very different than me, and I, I rely on him so much for, you know, kind of a, you know, bouncing ideas uh, off of him because we think differently. So I like getting his perspectives and ideas. So when I come in, um, I can kind of get maybe a male voice or you know, alternate view. But just, just. Find someone you trust, find someone that may, um, can be a sounding board to help you, help talk you through it. And again, you probably won't get totally comfortable, mm. um, but you have to push yourself. I mean, in, in getting through it, I think is, is the initial piece, that first level of 
getting through the uncomfortable feeling. But on the other side is just so much more, I think, a growth and opportunity uh, that makes it worthwhile. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. to your personal board of directors, your mentor, your 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 sponsor if, if you if you've got one. But and certainly as you said, those people have got that different perspective. And your husband having having mm-hmm. the male view and a, you know, and let's face it, very invested in you, but not necessarily in the day-to-day of your organisation. So can can give you the balcony view of, well, come on, Alicia, what's holding you back? You know? My dear wife exactly. says the only thing that's ever stood in my way is me. And what's going on up here. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's great yeah. advice. I think if you've got a particularly, if you think it's a challenging ask, being able to role play the scenarios with, uh, with, with your board of directors, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. That leads me to the next part of our discussion where I want to really explore your career path because you have, you've, you've made some bold moves you've made um well you've made some bold moves and I think the the first bold move Mm -hmm. and and people might be thinking that's not a pretty bold move Michelle but it is and I'll explain so you you chose engineering when you you came out of uh, out of school I guess you chose engineering then you went on um and so you graduated as a microelectronic engineer goodness gracious um and then you <laughs> chose to go uh, to business school and and gain your mba so in the first part why engineering what was what was the driver for that so the driver for that is my high school science teacher <laughs> um, i was always good in math and science and he actually planted the seed and said alicia you should consider engineering and being an engineer. I'm like, engineering, what's that? (laughs) What what does an engineer do? Um, So I share that at home with my parents who actually enrolled me into an after-school program to focus on STEM. So through that program at the local university, I was able to to learn a lot about engineering. And ultimately, that was the influence on me to consider uh, applying for an engineering uh, program uh, for my college studies. I applied to several different schools and got accepted to um, the Rochester Institute of Technology, where I ultimately studied engineering. And the program there was very special for me. The reason why I decided to go to RIT for two reasons. They had an engineering exploration part of the program, as well as a cooperative education piece. And the engineering exploration gave me uh, my very first full academic year opportunity to go through every discipline of engineering that was offered at school. So I got to get more understanding of the different areas of of study and kind of get an understanding of what I did not want to study oh, is probably is, most important. So, <laughs> most so you didn't important. have to settle on your, your discipline I did not. straight out. Gee, that's fantastic. I, I wasn't aware it was that that great. was an option. Awesome. The only thing is, yeah, I, I, the program was a little longer, took took five years because of that and also the cooperative education piece. But five years, I think, you know, that additional year was, you know, yep. no, no, a no-brainer. Uh, also, the program, I mean, completed and, gradu- and graduated the placement rates for, you know, full-time employment and the pay, almost a guaranteed success, so... And with that, the cooperative education program piece gave me an opportunity to get hands-on experience and get paid for it as part of the school program. And that's how I landed out here in Arizona because of cooperative education, working out here uh, at the time at Motorola, which is now on semiconductor. 
I was able to get that hands-on experience applied and got an offer to come here full time. So when I was going back to finish my studies, I came back to school knowing that I had a full-time job, mm-hmm. whereas my people figure out where they, where they were going to um, you know, apply for full-time employment after graduation from the other program. Very it was perfect strategic. for me. Very strategic yeah. choice. I, yeah, fantastic. So that's, um, and gee, yeah, the worry of, of, you know, completing your last couple of years of, of study and, and wondering where you're going to end up. Although I've got to say, in the, um, here in Australia, we've got such a shortage um, of folks, and particularly women, uh, with STEM mm-hmm. skills. It's a real race for, for talent. So we know our, um, you know, our, our students are getting snapped up and getting their offers you know, in their mm-hmm. second and third year. So it's, uh, it's interesting a better time yeah. to be a woman in STEM because they're in demand. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> All right, so then you're working um, out in Arizona for um, Motorola for on semiconductor. Um, mm-hmm. And you think, all right, then, just because I haven't quite had enough of studying, <laughs> yay. Why did you do that? Great question. Um, so actually, uh, I always saw myself maybe not necessarily running a business, but maybe being a partner or, or participating at some level um, in, in business. So, um, so I thought about it in the future for my professional development but wasn't really serious about it. And then I met my husband and he is the entrepreneur at heart. So he, when we met, had several different business ideas and actually we going into partnership together uh, for his first business venture. And that's where I I got serious about it. Say, okay, if I'm going to be in business uh, with him, I need to understand uh, understand business. So I need to get my education. And that's really what pushed me uh, into getting my degree. So while I was still working, I actually applied at the WP Carey business uh, for their MBA program uh, at Arizona State University. So in the evenings and weekends, is I got my um, degree. And then upon graduation, it was a, a little better decisions and things that I was working on with my husband. Um, but although it was my husband's um, business opportunities, the ideas and things that we were discussing in partnership together that really propelled me to get a degree, I, I would say it still has had an impact on uh, the work that I do here uh, at the company. So, and I would say most, the most beneficial um, piece of having my business degree was when I was in the business operations role here at the company. Because in that role, I had to really understand and, and drive issues around capacity and cost, along with other things. But from that perspective, my MBA enabled me to understand capacity utilization and what it meant to really to focus on that and its effects on the product and ultimately profit, you know, at the end of the day. So, so with that, uh, it helped me tremendously in that role. And getting my MBA also led me to think a little differently uh, about, you know, my day-to-day at the company and if there's issues or situations that I was having difficulty with, I would sit back and say, you know, well, if this was my company, how would I address the situation? How would I try? And just from that, you know, you obviously don't get all the answers, but just from that standpoint, you get a level of clarity, understanding from a business perspective of why some decisions are being made and why leaders are, are doing the things that they're doing um, to drive the business forward. Well, and for those of you who uh, haven't, who might be watching now or later, what Alicia's just perfectly um, illustrated is think like a CEO, act like a passionate business owner, because mm. that is, that's, uh, it's so useful to be able to do that. And I think at, if we go back, right back to your career advice that you received, which was learn the organisation, learn mm-hmm. the business of the business. I can see how this is all kind of fitting together for you and why um, you were able to then propel your way through your career. I know it probably didn't feel like you were propelling at times, but, um, it, you know, it, it added to your success. I quite often get a question from um, women who I, I work with or in my network. They say, Michelle, tell me about, you know, you doing your MBA. Should I do MBA? Mm-hmm. Which is such a big question um, because 
know, as you well know, it's a it's a, a lot of commitment. It's a lot of time. Um, there's a fair bit of cost um, if you're paying mm-hmm. for it yourself. So, but putting that to one side, if a woman says to you, "Should I do an MBA, Alicia?" What do you say to her? I think I'm going to ask her um, more about what the the uh, the intent or why is of consideration. But to me, education you can't have enough. <laughs> so mm. I think I ultimately will guide towards, uh, you know, if, if that's an interest, if that's something you're pursuing or thinking about, I'll probably uh, provide the support for that. Uh, but I'll be curious to understand to understand why um, they're looking to get their their business degree and what's um, what other scenarios or uh, things that they're uh, contemplating for the career, just in that in that decision making. But um, I, I definitely, uh, I, I know it's a high, um, you know, sacrifice, mm-hmm. but for me, it's been beneficial. And I actually, I have to say, even looking at, um, you know, my peers who've also done the same, it is, it is about benefit. It, it may not even bring benefit in the way that you originally thought it mm-hmm. would for your career. If you're going for a particular position or, or um, you know, a, a, maybe a career change, it has provided some type of benefit down the road where it has assisted uh, my friends in their career. Couldn't agree more. When I started my MBA in my 40s, it had a very different (laughs) outcome to perhaps what I thought I was going. Well, I went and did my MBA for a whole bunch of reasons, but, you know, I sit here before all of you today Mm -hmm. uh, running my businesses because of that. I exited the, the corporate world. So there you go. That was the outcome, but that's a whole different story. Question from the audience, you may know who. What did you specialize in in your MBA? Management MBA um, at Arizona State University. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I know when I did mine, I had a couple of, you know, I could put the electives in and um, interestingly enough, chose um, entrepreneurship and innovation because I didn't think I was very good at either. things like that i i think the the mba you're right is that there's such a long payback period it keeps coming back to me over Mm -hmm. and over again um but i also think that the other thing that it does help you do is really sharpen your focus on the business Mm -hmm. of the business Um, and of course the networks that you gain from from your mba yeah let's um let's do a, a a talk about women in STEM, which we started to, to talk about. And okay. in a career that stores, we have lots and lots of members who are engineers or, or from the, the STEM disciplines, uh, which I know is a huge part of, of, of the industry. Many of our members and women that I talk to are navigating hyper-masculine workplaces. I also have another community and network and business that I'm involved in. Um, around culturally and linguistically diverse women, women of colour. So how, as, as a woman of colour, as a, as a woman, woman of colour, mm. uh, an engineer in male-dominated and perhaps hyper-masculine workplaces, how did you manage? How did you thrive? Because you haven't just survived, but um, what did you do? What were the sort of strategies that you had to make sure that you weren't, as you said earlier, when you said as a woman and as a black woman, you had to kind of make sure that you were noticed and do, do a bit more work than perhaps um, a white man may do. So what, what were your strategies, Alicia? And if, for our listeners who are going, how did she do it? Because I don't know how I'm going to do it. How do you, how, did, how? Let us into your secrets. I know, I know. <laughs> It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure um, your listeners and everyone probably can um, associate with uh, a little bit of what I'm about to say. So a lot of the behaviors or things that I had to deal with uh, at some points in my career is, you know, entering like a meeting room and uh, you hear all the conversation going and it's just immediately stopped. And you almost can hear a pin drop. Uh, you know that puts you, you know, on edge uh, quite a bit. And never comfortable. Um, so I've seen that. And then on the other end, you know, walk into a meeting room and it's like almost I'm not even there. I'm invisible, right? So it's like your presence is not even acknowledged. 
so just as you mentioned uh, earlier, I, I reflect back to what I've had to do in the past. Um, when I was a student um, at RIT, I learned very quickly, you know, that I had to, you know, insert myself. So, you know, I studied, you know, by myself, and you know, sometimes you you not you're not seeing the the um, you know the added benefit of you know that study group and being able to bounce ideas off of others. And I learned, I think, a little too late in my undergrad experience that I should have reached out a little earlier. But I did. I, I figured it out. And what mm -hmm. I wound up doing is I kind of <laughs> stopped, I guess you could say, some of the other members in my class. And I could see that they had study groups, that they had, you know, coordinated labs and things of that nature together. And I would just, you know, approach them with a question. So I would start that way. And then, you know, I had maybe a relationship one or two offline and we asked, would ask the questions, you know, where are you studying? and and how often do you meet and in the stalking nature and me, I would just show up and, you know, but over time they got comfortable with me because we had something in common. We had the same classes, we had the same teachers, we had to do the co-op work. So they got comfortable with me uh, through through that environment. And ultimately I did start getting invited to those, those study groups in the lab. So from that approach and that perspective, I had to think similarly on what I was dealing with in, you know, male dominant, you know, workplace. So I go into the meetings and it got really quiet. I've had the experience of having, you know, very focused sports family. You know, I played sports um, heavily all throughout high school and even first arrived here in, in uh, Arizona, some of the city um, leagues, you know, a love for sports and, and very um, versed in that. So I, I led with that with the men in the room, like someone got quiet in the room. Hey, did you all check out the game last night? started with that conversation and that kind of you know eased the tension in the room and when in the scenarios where i was was not seen or invisible i actually maybe sat right in front <laughs> of the meeting room or right <laughs> next to the uh, meeting coordinator where you know you can't ignore me now i'm, I'm right here right in the front so <laughs> that and that's never comfortable but you got to do what you got to do <laughs> so those are the little things that you know just get you noticed and I think over time, you know, once you address that type of elephant in the room, you know, the tension dies down, you, you develop some commonality with, you know, your peers Engaging there, and now you just really focus on delivering the results. Not particularly reciprocating with you at that point. Yeah. Oh, gee, I'm, I'm nodding madly here because <laughs> the sport thing is so oft has yeah. so often been my, because like you, I've, I've grown up playing sport. I'm, I now work in sport a lot, and it has been a, Hey, did you see the footy score? Did you, did you see? Oh, did you see that mark on the weekend? All that, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. And and mine. I mean, it's it's very authentic. But I, I can say <laughs> I, I did weaponize my uh, my knowledge of sport um, and my my love of sport to to help me feel feel like I belonged. It is a push, though, isn't mm. it? It's that mindset of you saying, "Deep breath. Here I go. I'm going to participate in this." I guess the the question I've got for you is, how do you yeah. how do you build the resilience to keep on keeping on, Alicia? So because it does take effort um, and continued, it's not one and done kind of thing. You've got to keep the effort going to to do that. What, what's your mindset, or what is your? How do you do that? How do you keep on keeping on? Yeah, my answer is probably going to get boring, but I'm just going to go back to the same same thing I mentioned earlier. It's really your support, that, that mm -hmm. safe space. So talking to my husband, talking to my mentor, Susan, you know, through a lot of scenarios, you know, talking to people in my peer group, my network that, you know, I trust. So they're not in that room with me. They, they don't uh, experience, it, experience it at the same time, but I can, um, you know, diffuse a little bit and share a little bit with them and uh, and they can advise me and give me, you know, pointers or, or scenarios of how to just uh, to migrate through. So having that, those voices in my head when I walk back into to the scenario helps quite a bit. And, you know, ultimately, you know, don't have to lean on those voices so much because now you're creating that that connection with, with the room. But yeah, going to different, your different your peers and, mm. and uh, the folks that you trust to, to help give you support is very important. 
totally agree. Again, that board of directors, your personal board of directors, who you can be completely and utterly vulnerable with and authentic and truthful because there's a lot of, you know, well, so I don't, obviously I'm not a black woman, but I'm a gay woman and Mm -hmm. um, have been around in business long enough when gay women and women, frankly, weren't very evident at, at many of the tables. So it does take a lot of personal resilience. So those, that, that, careful about using the word tribe but that, that our mm-hmm. tribe our board of directors our our, our personal advisors are, are super important I found mm-hmm. much later in life also that affinity groups so the women's networking groups in workplaces I, I must admit I I used to poo-poo them a little bit yeah. but then found them later in my career to be quite useful mm. And now I'm just the full-blown, you know, yeah, they were great. Mm-hmm. Was did, did those groups, well, number one, did they exist over that period of your career? <laughs> and then number two, how, and clearly with your role now, which I want to talk about in a moment, but how did they help you keep that, you know, resilience bucket topped up? So for us at the company, our Women's Leadership Initiative really kicked off the discussion around diversity and inclusion and the issues that, um, in the gaps that we were seeing at the company uh, back in 2014. So that was right in the middle of me being in my, my business operations role. Um, so the company was paying attention and starting to discuss uh, some of the, um, the issues around you know, women's leadership and uh, the lack thereof at the very high ranks in, in the company of, of what we were seeing. So two female um, VPs really sparked the conversation around what we were doing at the company and being able to partner uh, with them. And it was really a, a senior senior group to start. And I wasn't quite at the level yet, but kind of had informal um, mentorship from those in the group. And I think mm-hmm. that's really kind of like where the, the trigger started with, I can't, shouldn't say think, I know, the trigger started of, of how affinity groups can be very helpful for not only me and my career, but others. And that's where I came into the picture with uh, the, my work in diversity and inclusion at the company is because I was seeing too much technical talent with people of color leaving the company. And I was wondering, you know, uh, why that was and, you know, what we can do to really uh, look at uh, the retention and even recruitment of some, some key talent uh, for people of color. So with that, a couple of us, you know, knowing that the company was paying attention to diversity and inclusion because of what we were doing for women's leadership, we started to look at a new group, a new affinity group, STEM Up, the STEM for the underrepresented population. Nice. And uh, yours truly got the chance and opportunity to be the first chair of that group and, and pilot and launch it. So, um, so with that is where I got my introduction into uh, the use of affinity groups where I was able to introduce opportunities in partnership with HR and what we can do to recruit diverse talent into, into the company and you know hear my thoughts and opinions on some of the things that we could do for promotion within. Um, and that's where I developed a relationship with HR and ultimately got tapped on the shoulder for this role. Do you want to get shit done for your career? Well, I suggest that you join the Get Shit Done experience in a career that soars. The GSD experience is for women who want to take time out of their full lives to reconnect with themselves, their ambition. They want to kickstart their what's next career plan, plus connect and expand their network of driven and ambitious women. Put simply, the GSD experience is for women who are ambitious and driven. Women who want an accountability partner to give them a kick in the butt when needed. Women who want to supercharge their motivation and confidence and women who want to either define or make their next big move. Join us over at A Career That Soars for the Get Shit Done experience. we have such similar experiences in terms of getting involved and stuff going okay this is interesting maybe this is what I'm meant to be when I grow up anyway um the 
one of the things around being an other, uh, whether you're the uh, an other or an only, the only woman, the only black woman, the only black person, whatever it may be, is the mm. for me it's I describe it as the the unrelenting being on. You know, you, you've got game face on, if, to use a sporting parlance. I've got game face on all the time and it's yeah. bloom and exhausting. What I found when I discovered employee affinity groups as a participant was I could relax yeah. and I could refuel because I had had the uh, I had the people like mm. me and I didn't kind of have to mm. armour up as Brene Brown says and put game face on I could just be and I know and, and with a career that soars we really really want to stress that you know for, for our driven ambitious mm. amazing women uh, members that this is the space where you can refuel and and gain that that you know, all of the, yes, the tools and we've got the materials and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's the the real power of being with others like us. From a lead, it's, so that's the experience, but from a leadership perspective, and this is going to let me segue into your career pivot into the DEI um, role from, mm-hmm. from, a, from the technical stream across into, into HR, what do, what, what do leaders have to pay attention to? Because now I'm talking to the leaders who are listening to us, watching and listening to us. What do they need to pay attention to for those women who are not part of the, whatever the dominant group is um, at, at the organisation? Because, of course, it could be, could be a lot of white women and there could be um, culturally diverse or, or black women or, or whatever who are in the minority. So what do our leaders need to pay attention to from mm-hmm. your perspective, Alicia, at given your experience about having to game face on all the time? Yeah, that's such a great, uh, great point. Um, I think, well, I should say, I know what leaders should uh, play, pay attention to is that, you know, everyone's going to uh, deliver or bring something different to the table. And when you're looking at it, you have to be intentional, really, to, to uh, step outside of your comfort zone as a leader, to pay attention to um, those that it may not be in that inner circle of who you're reaching out typically in your day in, day out, because we all do it, we know. So as a leader, you know, you have your comfort levels of who you're, you're tapping and talking to each day. Uh, and it's not a bad idea to, you know, to kind of check your, yourself on that and, and, and seeing, have I, am I being as inclusive as possible here, you know? And have, are you noticing a trend with your leadership style and your, your management style and pulling everyone to the table for discussion and input and making it a little bit comfortable for everyone at the table to, uh, to contribute? So typically with, with females, you know, studies show that when it comes to our leadership or, or what we do in terms of advancement, we tend to lean on what we've done right uh our, what, what we have delivered um where men you know they talk talk a lot about what they can do their potential and 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 it really gets you know that that excitement about you know uh of what they can deliver um and the studies prove that right that you know uh men get, get promoted because of their potential and women uh for what you know they de- have delivered so looking to females more so as, uh, you know, the opportunities for, for their potential is what leaders need to pay attention to uh, as well. Because we're all, and this goes for anyone, I know we're all dealing with our different uh, scenarios, but women tend to have to deal with the family environment and de- deal with the, uh, some other extraordinary the items other with, you know, <laughs> with the family. I'll, I'll just leave it at that the other job in a different way than, you know, man typically has. So just being very mindful and checking yourself as a leader to pay attention to that and not exclude because of it. Mm, great advice um, for leaders and leaders. And, and I'm using the term in, in, a, in a genderless way uh, because fortunately now we're seeing more and more leaders of all genders um, ascend to the top of organisations. But my lived experience is not yours and, and vice versa. So it's, I, I think making it comfortable for everyone to contribute, I think there's some really, some really 
lovely human mm. skills, um, kindness and compassion right. and empathy that are highly underrated as leadership skills. And I, yeah. I look at women like you who are hugely successful, who are kind and compassionate and inclusive. And there's th these are real game changers to, to help individuals and collections of individuals, otherwise known as organisations, um, be successful. So I think there's a you and I both are in the in the DEI world all day, every day. So what I, I want to do is is make it really clear and simple for leaders not to be patronising or condescending, but say, yes, there's a lot of terminology. Yes, there's a lot of stuff and, and these are complex issues. But at the heart of this is being a really kind, compassionate, inclusive human being. Um, and so I think that's really, you know, great great advice am i being as inclusive as possible mm -hmm. that's there's, there's your there's your um there's your ticket to, to greatness leaders now we did yeah. you touched on it because yeah. of, of yeah. always i'm going to run out of time you said that when you moved made the radical move from the business from the technical side of the business into hr so doing what you're doing now um, people mm -hmm. culture diversity equity inclusion you were tapped on the shoulder why was it so, uh, uh, it's probably a fairly evident um, answer to this question why was it so appealing but why did it make sense you're a strategic person you've had a very strategic approach to your your study to your career your ongoing mm -hmm. learning why did this make sense strategically for you this role that's a great question because um uh, I actually struggle with the decision to not even, uh, you know, uh, just be very open because I, I have the naysayers as to why are you leaving the technical space and, and technical world to make this move. Um, but I think for me at this point in time in the career, in my career, when I, I made the decision, it's because for over 20 years working as an engineer, I, I've, I've had the experiences, I guess, for, you know, delivering to certain projects and and and, and, and new products and, and get get getting that product or service uh, out there and, and now I had a unique opportunity to share my thinking or my input my background in the area to impact on a, another side for others to do the same um, and I'm, I didn't see uh, at least visibly or you know in a position like like uh, mine's in the past someone that had the opportunity to, to be the advocate for uh, women and people of color uh, in the technical space so for me to get the opportunity to make that shift and make that transition because I understood what it took to deliver the product now I want to deliver for the people of the company uh, on a whole another level. And, and I guess I didn't expect how much gratification I would get out of it um, because I, I did kind of teeter there for a second, like, am I making the right decision? And yeah, I for sure made the right decision for me. And I think uh, it's shown in my growth. I never thought that I could would be um, delivering strategically at this level for the company to be invited to the table to talk about things from a company strategy, how we're going to move forward, because uh, the people are, are, are make it go, right? So the people are part of that that strategy. I just, you know, overall, I just go back. I struggled with it, but now it's the best career move I could have made. I can't describe particularly well other than I feel like there's been a very, you've reached a point in your career, which many, many of us do where we start, we and this is not going to come out right, but you simply start going outwards. So it's the giving back and the the contributing beyond one's own career path. Yes, it's fulfilling. Yes, it's it's taking you forward. But there's a the, the focus yeah. shifts to a more outward, not bringing inwards kind of thing, which I think is a lovely it's a lovely way to to reach you know, or, or achieve fulfilment. And I'm so glad for you that you've got that. That's such a great way to, of putting it because I, I think a part of the decision for me to make this shift was reflecting back on my personal experience and why I decided to become an engineer. And if I can influence others to consider STEM fields um, who don't typically get to see that, like I didn't, I didn't know, um, you know, what an engineering career 
could could be for me. So be able to share that and 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 um, give back to communities that don't get to see those types of roles and these opportunities. I think that was really really a, a part of part of my decision. So yeah, I think the give back is definitely the the uh, the reason. Sensational, and it's you know there's this is the ripple effect, right? So um, you know you you've you're such a role model for women, for women of colour, um, for women in engineering or in the STEM fields. It's, it's terrific that, that that we've had this opportunity to explore your career and, and certainly that those really strategic decisions that you've made, the impact that others um, have had on you and how you're now shaping workplaces and making work work for a whole bunch of people that perhaps are not the people that we would ordinarily have in our mind's eye now, more so than later, but before, but the people who we wouldn't have typically had in our mind's eye when we thought engineer. So I, I really, I, I think that is absolutely mm-hmm. terrific. Alicia, if you're going to give one last piece of advice to our emerging leaders, so if you think about yourself as that emerging leader, so whether you want to give it to your younger self or to our emerging leaders listening and watching Mm -hmm. what would it be it would be to uh i would say to my younger self for sure uh network i mean i do do better now um but i i didn't take opportunity younger when i was you know young in my career so i would say take opportunity to build your network and sustain that you know so you, you meet people and you know um can maybe an influence in your career you, you never know so take opportunity to just build build that network and stay in, in contact they can become that safe space right that that board of directors for michelle's uh, uh description for who you can bounce ideas off of and and kind of help in, in some of the career decisions that you need to make um so yeah i, I think i would have done it told myself to do it a lot earlier and you'll see yourself potentially grow with that network for your safe space, but don't stick just to your safe space. You need to build that network outside of those that don't look like you or or maybe think like you, because um, you'll get a lot of growth and understanding from those, um, those individuals as well. So when you think about your network, think about a holistic network uh, for yourself. Well, I could not have put that better myself, as in I worship networking, because I agree it is one of the most powerful things that you can do is to to grow and nurture your network because it does fuel uh, and power a career, and it's also mm. fun. Um, it's you know, Networking's not his stuff. So that's really great advice, um, Alicia. We have heard about from you today <laughs> about great career advice, which is know the organisation. We've heard about... Uh, working out how do I solve problems or present solutions to problems? How do I insert myself into situations, into career moves, into the pathway um, of things that are going to lead or fuel my, my career? How do I have the grit and determination to keep going beyond my discomfort of having to put my hand up and push myself forward? And how you fuel that and, and by, well, having that, that board of directors which you talked about so so beautifully And we also heard about how you reach a stage in your career when you can have those choices to say, how do I, how am I going to gain fulfillment now? And it's about giving back and bringing others forward and making those system level changes, as you Mm -hmm. said, at the the very top level um, of the organisation. And we've heard what a great role model you are for women and for for people of colour in the STEM and beyond and in the business sector. But most of all, I I loved your your piece of advice to leaders and this is my bias coming out because this is the work I do every single day. Am I being as inclusive as possible? Alicia Scott, what a fabulous hour uh, that I could easily turn into 10 hours with you, uh, which would be awful for you and wonderful for me. But thank you very much for sharing your wisdom and the story of your career that soared and is still soaring with us at A Career Source. Thanks so much, Alicia. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for downloading Lead to Soar. We so appreciate your support in the form of subscribing, rating, and reviewing the Lead to Soar podcast. We especially appreciate when you share Lead to Soar with friends and colleagues. 
Lead to Soar is hosted and produced by Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher. To get in touch with either, visit michelleredfern.com and melbutcher.com. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Until next time, stay focused and lead on.